Hello, I'm Willie George. I want to welcome you to the Faith Roots Podcast. And we're in a series called What is Faith? And this is part four. And if you've yet to sign up for our YouTube channel, please do that. And sign up for the free email devotion. You can find it on our website, myfaithroots.com. And uh, be sure to like this and share it with your friends. Let them know that this is available and and that there's no cost to this. We're giving this away. This is something I want to put into the body of Christ as a blessing to people. So uh, let's go ahead and get right into our message. The most important pursuit of your life is the pursuit of faith. If you can't please God without faith, then uh, the most important pursuit is to develop faith. And we're going to find out how it comes. All right, let's, let's listen to this. Without faith, man cannot please God. For the man who draws near to God must believe that there is a God, that he will reveal himself to those who sincerely look for him, to all who earnestly try to find him. Where am I going to find him? I find him in his word. The Bible says... That so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's Romans 10, 17. John said in John chapter 20, he said, These things are written that you might believe. Things are written that we might believe. So God reveals his goodness through his word. Now what else is out there? Well, circumstances are out here. Nature's out here. You know, and, 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 you know, the Bible shows us through the Word that God is very, very good. Nahum 1.7, God is good. Uh, but na- nature's not always good. Nature's pretty rough. I was sitting overlooking a food plot one evening with probably 70, 80, 90 deer out there. There were bucks and does. But I, I noticed that a, a, a buck... A young buck had somehow caught his leg in a fence or a hole, something, maybe in a fight. He had broken his leg, and he came very timidly up to a feeder where he could get protein that would strengthen him, nourish him, help him to recover. And uh, there were other does there. These are the mamas. And when he came up limping, They beat him off and would not let him get anywhere near that feeder. They chased him off. And you could see, this wasn't the first time it happened, because he was gaunt. You could see his ribs beginning to show through his side. And these does would stand up on their back legs and just pound him in the head and the face. And this young buck had to leave. He couldn't get anywhere near that feed. They were doing everything they could to keep him, and, and and they weren't eating. They had done their share of eating, and there was enough there for every animal on that food plot, but they did not want that deer to have it. And that that's nature. Nature isn't always good. Nature can be extremely cruel sometimes. And so you won't see God's goodness revealed in nature. You can see God's amazing creative power in nature. There are a lot of things you can see. His majesty, you can see that in the natural world, but you don't see the character of God, the goodness of God fully revealed in natural laws. You don't see that. So where do we see that? The only place that we see that and know it for sure is in the scriptures. Now, a lot of times people think that God reveals his will will by circumstances. And they have this idea that if you are a follower of Christ, that all of the circumstances that come to you in life are from God. 
And I'm going to tell you something, that is not true. And I can prove it with one verse. Uh, the Bible says in James 4, 7, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. There are some things you need to be resisting. Now, a lot of people, the only thing they think that they can resist is temptation, and we're supposed to resist temptation. But you know what? There's a time when you resist circumstances. Circumstances that befall a believer need to be resisted. We are clearly told to resist negative circumstances. And there's little argument about whether or not to resist temptation, but a lot of people don't know about resisting negative circumstances. And uh, there's a good deal of confusion about that. So how do we figure this out? We figure it out by looking at God's Word. And God's Word shows us who the author of trouble is. He shows us who the author of negative things are. The author of disease, the author of sin, the author of, of extreme poverty. Poverty is never considered a blessing. It is a curse. The Bible says the curse of the poor is their poverty. If poverty was a blessing, then why would the book of Proverbs call poverty a curse? It is a curse. It's not a blessing. Um, that doesn't mean everybody's going to be a multimillionaire, but what it does mean is that poverty is not from God. So uh, we need to do a better job talking about what comes from God, what doesn't come from God. And a lot of people think that faith is really a matter of accepting everything that comes, and that's not so. Now, it's good that you bounce back from all the negative things that have come in your life. Now, I've had a lot of negative things in my life, but I'm going to tell you, uh, many of those things that came against me, all the negative things, they weren't from God. I bounced back. I, I overcame those things, and a lot of them were not my choice, my decision. And I flipped them, and I made something good come from that which was negative, but God didn't send those negative things. Now, the people in Jesus' day had no difficulty because of him. He defined both in teaching and in action what came from God and what did not come from God. So let's look at Matthew's Gospel, chapter 8, verses 5, 6, and 7. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord... My servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Now, two or three things here that are not stated but are very obvious in reading this. Number one, this servant had not been this way long because he was a servant. Had he been uh, paralyzed a long, long time, then he would never have been able to be the servant of this centurion. So this is something that only had recently come to him. He was dreadfully tormented. In other words, he had only been afflicted this way for a short period of time, and this is why he was in torment. He had not learned to live with this. He had not accepted this. This servant is, is tormented by this. It's a negative reaction to the condition. Where did the centurion get the idea that Jesus would be able to fix this or that he would fix this? Uh, I mean, Jesus might have worked miracles some of the time, but not all of the time. And it, 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 it might have caused the centurion to think, well, let's roll the dice. But he was very, very convinced that Jesus would help. And Jesus gave him good reason to believe that because when he heard about this sick servant, he said, I will come and heal him. 
So this man had an expectation of good coming from Jesus. Where did he get it? The behavior of Jesus, and not only the behavior, but the teaching of Jesus. The teaching and the behavior of Jesus gave him the idea that Jesus wanted to heal and make well. All right, here we go again. Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, beginning at verse 40. Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him, and saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. How would he know that? It's because Jesus had healed other lepers before this time. And this man had no doubt heard about it. Then Jesus, now look at this. Then Jesus moved with compassion. And folks, Jesus got hit with this all day long, every day. There were times that the only way to avoid the crowds was to go to a hiding place and go alone at night, and nobody knew where he was. That's the only time he got alone. There were times they didn't even have time to eat. But here we see still, Jesus was moved with compassion. And I love this. He stretched out his hand and he touched this filthy, diseased leper with putrefying flesh who no doubt stunk. And Jesus said, I am willing be cleansed. This this is one of my favorite stories in all the Bible. I can just see Jesus putting his hands into the face of this man who has suffered so great. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Everybody knew Jesus was good. How do we know that? We know it from the Word of God. The goodness of Jesus was so well established in the minds of the people that they then began to initiate healings without his prior approval. They were so confident that they knew what he would do that they snuck up on him and got the power of God from him without even asking him first. Let me read to you from the Gospel of Luke chapter 8, beginning in verse 43. Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years, who had spent all her livelihood on physicians, could not be healed by any, came from behind and touched the border of his garment. Touched the little border, the little, uh, uh, the little tassel, the blue tassel, which symbolizes the unlimited promises of God. It's color of the sky to, uh, to convey the unlimited promise of God. And immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes throng and press you, and you say, who touched me? But Jesus said, somebody touched me, for I perceive power going out from me. Now when the woman saw that she was not hidden. She came trembling and falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, Daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. 
This woman, the Bible says in Mark's Gospel, chapter 5, when she heard of Jesus, she came in the crowd behind. What did she hear about Jesus? She heard that he healed. She also heard, and apparently a number of people shared this, that there was a power that went out of him. And that power must have been tangible to some degree or another because uh, she went after that power. That power exclusively was what she was after. And she knew better than to ask Jesus to touch her because she is unclean and she is ceremonially unclean and she's in a class of people that are not to be touched. So she's not really even touching Jesus' body. She's just with a fingertip touching that little tassel at the end of his prayer shawl. But that was enough. And it caused a great release of power to come out of Jesus in through those clothes and into that woman. Now later on, the apostle Paul would be used of God to work a number of amazing miracles. Even when he physically was not present, but it was the anointing of God went into his clothes. And when his clothes touched some people, they were healed. And evil spirits left some people because just of the presence of Paul's clothes or per claws that went out. Um, that is special, the Bible says. God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. That doesn't happen all the time. But the Bible does say we will lay hands on the sick, which is a common way of praying and ministering, and they shall recover. So that's our go-to, and there's nothing wrong with that. So what I want you to see here is this, that the character and the nature of God became so known that this woman came and touched the hem of Jesus' garment without even asking for healing because she knew what he was going to do. She knew he would be favorable to it. It may have surprised her that he turned and wanted to know who had touched him. She may have been fearful for a moment. But we find that Jesus wasn't trying to scold someone. He wanted to find out who had faith. And that's what happened. And the other narratives give us the story of how the woman is, uh, is celebrated for her faith. She had great faith in God. How did she get it? She heard about Jesus. So his character is revealed by his word, not by circumstances. So if you want to have great faith, sometimes you can't look at the past week or the past month because you may have been going through it in the last few weeks and months. You may have had some terrible things come your way. Can I tell you that just because that came your way doesn't mean it was God's will? God doesn't demonstrate His will through all the circumstances of life. There are often negative circumstances that persist for a good long season that He did not sin. And just because we have them doesn't mean that He is for them. It is our faith that we're going to have to exercise and use to reverse those negative circumstances. God does not always make them go away just because He loves you. Listen to me. If you received Jesus Christ, if you invited Him into your life and believed on Him as your Lord and Savior, don't you think He wanted to do that years ago, years before you actually did it? Sure He did. Why did He wait? He waited to be invited. He waited for faith. And that's what He waits for today. He is looking for faith and what we've got to do is learn how to build strong faith, a faith that draws an answer from God and an answer that turns things around. Now listen to this verse 
because it greatly characterizes our Lord and shows us what He's like. It's Peter preaching about Jesus, Acts 10, 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and putting sickness on people? No. And healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. You will find the character of God in the pages of Scripture. Well, that's all of our time for today. So be sure to go to MyFaithRoots.com if you had not done it already and get that free email devotional. It comes every day. Thank you. I'll see you tomorrow.